The second reading is Psalm 131. It's on page 625 of the Pew Bibles. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Good morning, everyone. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name's David. I'm married to Naomi, and we've got a two and a half year old called Beatrice. Uh, We're usually around at the 9 30 service when we're here, but I'm currently uh, training to be a vicar at Ridley Hall at the moment. And so during term time, I'm actually at St Andrew's Stapleford. But it's a real pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, Shall we pray as we come to look at God's word together? Loving Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth, that it is life, that it is hope. Give us fresh eyes to see your word this morning and to see you more fully. That we might leave this place loving you a little more and knowing you a little better. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the unexpected privileges, I guess, of becoming a parent for the first time was that moment when uh, my daughter first fell asleep on me. Um, That moment where this little child who was distressed and upset and crying... And I held her close, and I spoke to her, and she rested, and she fell asleep, content and peaceful, because she was close to someone who loved her, and someone who could hold her, and who could carry her. That's a bit like the image that's at the centre of this psalm, and it's a really beautiful image, isn't it? It's a picture that David paints for us of the contentment that he has. And actually, our uh, English translation doesn't quite get to the depth of the contentment that David is describing here. Um, In in verse 2, there's a Hebrew word that appears twice there that that we miss. And it's the word nefesh, which means soul. And in Hebrew thought, the soul was the very core of a person. It's the very heart of who they are, the seat of their ambitions, their desires, their hopes, their dreams. So what David is saying in verse 2 is more like this. It's perhaps, I have stilled and quietened my soul. My soul is like a weaned child upon its mother, content. David is saying right in his very deepest place, At the core of who he is, in his very soul, he is completely content. Now, I don't know about you, 
But my nefesh, my soul, is often the place where I can feel least content and at ease. I might do quite a good job of looking like I've got things under control on the surface. But actually, my soul, uh, that quiet place, that deepest place within me, is often flooded with busy and anxious thoughts, confused and conflicting desires, ambitions and dreams, things that distract me, that trouble me, that weigh heavily on me. And sometimes I I think being a Christian makes that harder because add add to all the life stuff, I've got this sense of wanting to try and discover how I can best serve God, how I can discern what his will is, how I can honour him. And so that that thought is churning around at the same time. And yet, in that deepest part of me, that's the place where I long for peace and contentment more than anything else. I wonder, I wonder if it's just me. I wonder if anyone else might feel the same. Well, the world has lots of prescriptions for a contented soul. And it seems to me that it says one of two things. The first thing it says is look outwards if you want a contented soul. Change your circumstances in some way to find that inner peace. Perhaps get a better job or a better house or a better partner or a more fulfilling hobby or go on better and longer and more exotic holidays. Get a more secure pension. The world says look outwards. Look to your circumstances if you want to find that contentment. But I think it also says to us that we should look inwards, that we should change ourselves in some way. Celebrate our successes. Trust in our own ability to sustain our success. The future's in our hands. Look inwards if we want to be content. So the world says... Look outwards, change your circumstances. Look inwards, rely on yourself. But David's prescription for a contented soul here is very different. He says we need a change of perspective, that actually we don't need to look outwards and we don't need to look inwards, we need to look upwards. For him, the solution is not in our circumstances or in ourselves. We see that really clearly in verse 3, don't we? where he says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So for David, the secret he has found to that contentment and peace in his deepest place is to set his hope on the Lord, to look upwards. I thought it'd be really helpful for us to spend some time this morning thinking about how we do that. Because it's so easy to look to those other things. And on paper, uh, on on the surface, it's easy for us to say, I'm looking upwards, I'm trusting in God. But often there are so many other things that really uh, our trust can be rooted in. I think David says two things that are really helpful And they're perhaps the obvious points to make, really. And he says, if we're going to look upwards, the first thing we have to do is to stop looking to ourselves and to our circumstances. 
See, we can't look in two places at once. We see that in verse 1, don't we, where it says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. I had a go at kind of paraphrasing the sense of what David was trying to say in verse 1 there. I think he might have put it something like this. It's not all about me. I haven't got this, and I don't know all the answers. David is acknowledging, even celebrating, his own smallness here. We see Israel's great king rejecting pride, rejecting self-reliance, and choosing humility. He's refusing to exalt himself, even though he had loads of accomplishments Loads of reasons why he could have looked outwards or he could have looked inwards. And David finds a sense of liberation and freedom in recognizing his own limitedness, recognizing that it doesn't ultimately depend on him. And the reason for that is because he's recognized that if he doesn't stop looking to himself, he'll never be able to start looking to God. And we can never enjoy the contentment that comes from recognizing that things don't depend on us if we don't change our perspective in this way. We were not made to be self-exalting and self-reliant. We were created in the beginning for God's glory and to trust in him. Now, Self-reliance is very much my own struggle. So I feel like I'm preaching this to myself as much as anything, that this is something I need to hear because I so easily look outwards and look inwards. I'm someone who naturally likes to say, I've got this. I can do this on my own. And even I, I go about my Christian life in that same way sometimes. On the surface... I can look uh, like I'm trusting in Jesus, but deep down, really, I'm trusting in me, in my abilities, my ability to organize, or whatever it is, I'm, I'm relying on myself. One of the ways in which God uses difficult circumstances in our lives, one of the ways in which he brings good out of those circumstances is sometimes to use them to reset our perspective. That's definitely been my experience. Um, The end of my first marriage was one of the saddest seasons in my life. And it was a time when I definitely couldn't say that I've got this, because I didn't. Yet as I look back, I can see how God, in his goodness, used that time to reset my perspective. He helped me to see how I'd been trusting in loads of other stuff, rather than really trusting in him. Now, I still find self-reliance a real struggle. This is a daily, a weekly kind of battle for me. But I've discovered something of the liberation of, of learning to say with David, it's not all about me. I haven't got this, and I don't know all the answers. And that is because that creates the space for us to start looking to God. We see that in verses 2 and 3 of the psalm. 
David writes this. But I have calmed and quietened myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and evermore. This challenge to look upwards is both a daily pursuit and a lifetime's work. Israel is told to put their hope into the Lord today, but to keep doing it every day, to intentionally fix their eyes on the Lord. And the first step in us hoping in the Lord, on fixing our eyes in him, is through getting to know him. For it's only through getting to know God that will come to trust him, to draw close to him, and find that contentment that David's writing of here. I thought it might be helpful for us to to look a little bit at David's life and to think through, well, how did David get to know God? How did he get to know God, who was someone who was big enough to catch him and good enough to trust How did he discover that God was someone who is worth fixing his eyes on and setting his hope in? I think there are many many things from David's life that I could have picked. But the three that I want to just dwell on for a moment. The first is that David got to know God through exploring God's words. The second was through experiencing God's goodness at work in his life. And the third was through encountering God's presence in prayer and worship. David wrote loads of other psalms. You get a brilliant insight into him just by reading some of them. Psalm 19, uh, written by David, says that God shows us what he is like through his words. And David was someone who delighted in God's word. He describes it as perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, enduring, firm, righteous. And his experience of dwelling on God's word was that it was soul-refreshing, wisdom-inducing, joy-filling, life-illuminating. At least that's what he says in Psalm 19. To him, God's words were more precious than gold and sweeter than honey, because they revealed to him who God is and helped him to look upwards. When I was at university, I went to a church called Christ Church Clifton in Bristol. Now, I'd grown up going to church um, and uh, learned lots of stories about God. Uh, but it was when I got to uh, Christchurch that I really discovered a love for God's word. Uh, The student minister there uh, was running an event called Pastor and Paul, which does exactly what it sounds like. We would go round to the student minister's house, we would eat pasta and look at something that Paul had written. So uh, we were looking particularly at the letter of Romans. And I just remember being struck by the power and the wonder of God's word to change and transform our lives in a way that I hadn't grasped before. 
in a way that I could really discover and get to know who God was through his word. So that was David's experience. That's been my experience. I hope that's been your experience as well. If it hasn't, I'd really encourage you to spend some time reading God's words. Or if it has been your experience, perhaps find someone who you can share that with. But this is more than just an intellectual pursuit. Um, David's knowledge of God wasn't abstract or distant. He experienced God's goodness at work in his life. Um, Picture the scene. Two armies are set up, ready for battle. A great champion steps forward from the opposing army. They're well-trained, and the closer they come, the larger they loom. They're a giant. Who will face them? Picture a shepherd boy amongst the opposing army who goes up to the king and says this, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Do you see how David's confidence to face Goliath came from his experience of God's deliverance of him from facing the lion and the bear. David found God to be faithful into his experience. David got to know God God, from the way he saw God working in his life. So I think the encouragement to us is to be more expectant that we would see God at work in our lives and to pay attention to it when he does to celebrate his goodness. Our testimony is essential for our faith and the faith of others. And so ask, ask God, perhaps ask God to increase your sense of expectation that you might see him at work, that you might experience your goodness in his life, in your life. Perhaps that he might remind you of times when he has been good to you. So, David discovered something of who God was through exploring his word, through his experiencing God's goodness at work in his life, but also through encountering God through prayer and through worship. There's a profound sense of closeness and intimacy in the image at the centre of this psalm, isn't there? You couldn't imagine something closer than holding that newborn child, that infant, to your chest. The deep contentment of that image comes from the proximity of the child to the one who's able to carry them. So David here is not speaking of knowing God at a distance, but of drawing really close to him. And David knew God because he had spent time with him, enjoying his presence in that place of encounter through worship. And prayer. Psalm, um, Psalm 100 says this Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him 
with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In that psalm, David is exhorting God's people to draw close to God, to enjoy that closeness that is on offer, to encounter something and experience something of his love and faithfulness. The moment when I would say I really became a Christian, despite having grown up in a church family, was uh, in August 1996. And it was at the Bath and West showground in Somerset at a festival called Soul Survivor that our youth worker had taken us to. And there were several thousand uh, young people there worshipping God in, um, in, a, in a cattle shed as normally used for showing animals. And God turned up in a really present and a really real way. It was the weighty sense of God's majesty amongst his gathered people in a way that I'd never experienced before. And a song erupted in response from those who were there in a mixture of earthly and heavenly languages, celebrating the goodness of God the Father who was amongst his children. That was my experience, or one of my experiences of encountering God. So, through David's life, we see that how he had got to know God, the things that helped him to look upwards, were through exploring God's word, through noticing God's goodness in his experiences, and through pursuing those moments of encounter of drawing close to his father. So how are we to respond to the message of this psalm today? Well, first, I think, definitely for me, I wonder if for some of us here as well, there is a constant need for us to repent of the ways in which we're looking inwards to ourselves or outwards to our circumstances, where we're looking in the wrong direction where we're putting our trust in other things. And if that's us, we need to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have put my trust in other things than you, that I've allowed these other things to take your place in that way. And then we need to choose to look upwards and get to know God on a daily basis. It's a daily pursuit and a lifetime's work, isn't it? Exploring God's word, experiencing God's goodness at work in his life, and pursuing that encounter with him. My prayer is that then we might know, we might all know, that deep contentment that this psalm promises, that can only come because we are close to the one who loves us and who can carry us. Should we just take a moment to pause and reflect?
loving Father, thank you that you want to be known and that you have made yourself known. Lord, and we long to know you more. We long to know you more. And to set, those, set down those things that have our attention and our affection that draw us away from you. Help us to fix our eyes on you. That we might know you and love you. Help us to draw close to you that we might enjoy that deep contentment of being carried and being loved by our Father. In Jesus' name.